0: Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. There's something special about nothing special. Uh, Friends, I want us to consider this idea today that we never should underestimate the incidental contacts and interactions that we have with another another person. Uh, Our incidental interactions can make a monumental difference in someone's life. When I was at uh, Bible College, I had one of these, and that was a long time ago, and I've realised, Christian, that we've got them from the, from the young people playing the guitars to the grandparents. We're an, we're, we're an intergenerational church, and I'm representing the grandparents and the parents of adult children today. Hallelujah. And so that's got nothing to do with the illustration I want to bring. Uh, but when I was at Bible College a long time ago, um, I had an interaction with our principal in the dining room. And I'd been struggling with the concept. I'd only been a Christian a number of years, perhaps four or five years. And I was struggling with the idea of God as a loving father. Uh, My father had left home when I was six completely unannounced. He just literally uh, packed up and walked out of the house. And I never heard or saw him again for 26 years. Never had any contact whatsoever. He ran off and he ran off with my uncle's wife, which complicated things in our family a little bit. And so I just had this, this idea, there was this, this vacant thing of a father image in my life. Uh, then my mother remarried and unfortunately she married a, a violent alcoholic. And so the images I had of father was one who walks out without saying so, one who abandons you, one who doesn't, uh, never a birthday, never a Christmas card, nothing. And then the other one, we just lived in a fairly terrifying environment for a number of years. And so I had this view of, okay, I'm at Bible college, everyone's telling me that it's a loving Heavenly Father. I said, I'm really struggling with that. So I went up to Dr. Knox, our principal at the Bible College, and I said, Dr. Knox, I'm really struggling with this idea that God loves me. And that my Father in Heaven is a loving Heavenly Father. I'm really struggling with that. And he was a, a quirky little introvert guy that had the most incredible insight into human nature and the Bible. And he said to me in his quirky little voice, and I'll attempt it, he said, oh, that's very interesting. He said, um, you should meditate on the cross. Yes, that's what you should do, meditate on the cross. Then he spun on his heels and walked completely away from me like that. And I said, "And I just stood there as he just went out out of the dining room. I thought, what's that all about? He was absolutely correct. Those words, you should meditate on the cross, said to me in about 19, I don't know, 77, 1978, changed my life. Because it was when I meditated on the cross that I found the love of God. I found that God so loved the world that he sent his only son into the world that whoever believes in him should have eternal life. And that was me. That God's love was shown in action and sacrifice. And so that was to him an incidental. That an, inter- an incidental interaction, but for me, it was monumental. Friends, how many incidental interactions do we have that make a monumental difference? Now, you have got 30 seconds each to share with somebody around you an incidental thing that has made a monumental difference in your life. Ready, set, go. 30 seconds each. Go, someone say something to someone. A little thing and a big difference. Get ready to change. Change. Something little, make a big difference. All right. Talking is dying down, so I take that that's a clue. Okay. When we look back in our life, I I do believe that we can look back and see a number of what would appear to be fairly incidental things. Uh, words and actions that have made a monumental difference in our lives and I want to encourage us to think about this today it is the words we speak and it is the actions that we do that may seem incidental that can make a monumental difference in the lives of other people there's a text I'm going to read to us that I'm, I'm shaping this message around. It says from Ephesians 4.29, "...do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen." Isn't that an incredible punchy phrase that if we walk around with that, the things that come out of my mouth and the actions that I take need to be those that are helpful, need to be things that build others up, needs to be focused according to their needs. So I read the room, I understand their life, I speak into that situation or I respond in that situation that it may benefit those who listen. Today I want to take four short cameos from Jesus' life where incidental interactions have made a monumental difference. Heavenly Father, as we now open the Scriptures and we meditate on the wonderful, flawless, model life of Jesus, help us, Heavenly Father, to see his heart, see his actions and catch some of that magnificent, gracious love of the Lord. Amen. Uh, the first one that I want to read to you, and it comes from uh, Luke chapter 8, is when someone reaches out, when someone reaches out who is in need. Um, I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 8, 43 to 48. And it says this. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had uh, was been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and she touched the edge of his cloak and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, ah, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone has touched me. I know that the power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, Came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Massive crowd touching Jesus, pushing around him. One person just reaches out, somehow comes up behind him, touches his cloak. Power comes out of the Son of God and heals her. From a hemorrhage that she had been suffering for 12 years that no one, could, no one could fix. Could you imagine what her life had been like up until that point and after that point? Up until that point, as a person who was suffering a hemorrhage in a Jewish community, uh, she would have been isolated from other people. She would have been ostracized from going and worshipping God in the temple. She would have been socially apart from the community in which she lived. And yet the touch of Jesus... She reached out to to Jesus and touched him. And how did he know he'd been touched? Because what came out of him? He felt that power. He felt the power had come out of him. And it drained him in some way. I want to say this. When people reach out to us in need and we respond, it may well drain us. How many people understand that? Sometimes helping people comes at a cost. It cost Jesus. he, he, He experienced that it went out of him. It drained him. Friends, if we're going to love like Jesus loves, if we're going to touch people, if we're going to turn incidents into monumental differences, the power needs to come out of us. We need to be prepared to be drained. And there's no short-cutting the cost of loving others in Jesus' name, speaking words into their life. And so that's what we need to do. We need to respond regardless of when, when somebody does that. It can be very draining. When someone reaches out to us, we can make a monumental difference in the way that we respond to them, in the way that we speak to them. And we should do that and we should be prepared if we're going to do it in Jesus' name, it might cost us. It's an incidental interreaction with that woman made a monumental difference. According to their needs is our text. The second passage is uh, being a caring presence to someone in distress. Being a caring presence to someone in distress. You'll be very familiar with the passage from John's Gospel, probably if you're a churchy kind of a person. And uh, Jesus is at the funeral. In fact, he's just turned up late, a few days late, to the funeral of his good friend, Lazarus, and his, also his friends, the sisters um, of Lazarus. And uh, he turns up late and Martha, one of the sisters of the dead man, says to him in, I'm reading from, John chapter 11, verse 21. Lord Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I even know now that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they may die. And whoever lives Believing in me will never die. And do you believe this? And of course, what happens in the story? Jesus commands that the door be open. He raises Lazarus from the dead. Friends, we don't necessarily have the power to raise the dead. But we certainly can be a loving presence to people in life's difficult times. Job's friends knew that. Job in the Bible had lost everything. Through catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe, he'd lost everything that he had and owned. And yet this is what happened. This is what his friends did. Job 2.13 says, They sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, and no one said a word to him, because they saw how great his suffering was. They saw how great his suffering was, and they just knew that their loving presence was more important than their pious words. Uh, From this service, after I go here today, I will drive up to the Blue Mountains to have coffee with somebody. Um, The wife of somebody who I buried very recently, uh, the bass player in the band that I play in, uh, rang me after a gig, uh, after we gigged in February, and he rang me late February. And he said, you know how I was unwell during rehearsals? And I said, sure. Sure. And he said, that they've, found, they've found that I've got cancer and it's, it's very bad. He said, uh, If it gets me, will you, marry, will you bury me? And he's younger than me. And so I prayed as hard as I knew how to pray. I rang regularly, passed it on to the rest of the band members. He died. After our conversation, I think he lasted about three months. And then I drove up to the Blue Mountains and buried him. And it was a gargantuan funeral. He was a very popular person. I'll go here. I'll meet his widow in a coffee shop at 1 p.m. And I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to say. haven't got nothing planned. I'm just going to let God. I just want to be a loving presence. I just want to be Jesus' person in that space. And I said to God, please guide me in what I need to say and do. Because I don't know what to say and do. All I know is that I need to go. Absolutely convinced 100% that Jesus is saying go. Go and be there. Be a presence for her. And then I'll let the Holy Spirit lead the conversation. Because I didn't have the power to raise a husband from the dead. Not the son of God. Just a friend. Fellow muso. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4 says, We comfort others with the comfort that we have received. We've all been in stress. We've all cried out to God. We've all received comfort. Yes. Have you never re- re- cried out to God and received comfort? Bible says the comfort that we have received, we need to share with others. See, I believe that our, your caring presence is more important than your clever words. Your caring presence is more important than your clever words. So being a caring presence to someone in distress is very important. Very important indeed. And it can be an incidental interaction that can make a monumental difference because it is according to their needs that we speak and we also listen. The third cameo that I want to bring uh, to your attention is another one from John's Gospel, John chapter 8. When we stick up for vulnerable people, when we stick up for vulnerable people, This is also a very familiar passage. Just picking it up from the beginning of the chapter. When they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And when he sat down to teach them, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman. Where was the bloke? Just a thought while I'm reading this. Just tuck that back there. It's not, the question's not in the Bible, it's in my head. right? They brought in a woman who'd been caught in adultery. Hmm, I think that takes two people from my thinking. But they brought just the woman. Hmm. Yes. They'd made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say and they were using this question as a trap in order on the basis for accusing him but Jesus bent down started to write on the ground with his finger we don't know what he wrote when they kept on questioning him he straightened up and said to them let any one of you who is without sin be the first to cast and throw a stone at her again he stooped down and wrote in the ground at this those who began to go away at one time, the older ones first, because we've got a longer track record of sin. I'm older than many of you in this building. I have out sinned you a hundred times. I'm the biggest sinner in the room by, by far when I'm looking out at you young, beautiful people. all right? Because the older ones get it. The longer we live on earth, the more fractured we know that we are. The more, the more mistakes that we've made, the longer the list of litanies of, of our errors. The old ones went away first, left the woman standing there. But Jesus straightened up and said to her, Women, where are they? No one is. Has no one condemned you? No, no one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. He declared, now go and leave your life of sin. And so Jesus intervened. It's very dangerous when we stick up for vulnerable people. How would that have gone? This woman's, this woman's life. Stoning is an absolutely barbaric and brutal way to take somebody's life. When I researched this, none of it, none of it was good. It was often long and deliberately drawn out and meant to cause incredible pain and trauma. This woman was that far from being stoned to death. Jesus paused, probably prayed, came up with a word from the Holy Spirit most likely. And those words of "He who is without sin can throw the first stone" has become a part of our dialogue, as a race of people. And so you can imagine the relief that that found to her. Just this this incident, this incident that Jesus had, of which as many many incidents has made a monumental difference. She went away free. She went away not being condemned either by these ratbags, or by even by Jesus. Even by Jesus. He just said, look, go. Let's start again. Live your life of sin. Friends, there are times you're going to have to stand up for someone. You're going to have to put your big boy and your big girl pants on. And you're going to have to step up to the plate and speak up and act up and do the right thing from people. And it's not easy. I hate doing it. But sometimes we've got to do it. There comes a time where we need to be agents of justice. And, and speak and be the people of Jesus in bringing the truth and the love of God to bear in a situation. So it can be very, very difficult when we stick up for the vulnerable in situations, and it can be at work or it can be in a whatever situation it, we might come across. It could be in a family context. Who knows when we stick up for somebody. It could be a child that we stick up for, a child being bullied, A child being uh, stood over by an adult in some context. And so when we stick up for the vulnerable, we become people who act according to the needs of another. And an incidental interaction can make a monumental difference. It made a monumental difference in her life. When we intercede for the vulnerable, it makes a monumental difference. My son-in-law who's a Persian refugee, got his PR last week. He's been waiting 10 years. (laughs) There's a lot of interceding (laughs) and standing up. 10 years, fled Iran. Don't blame him. Not a great place to be. Not if you love God. And yet he got PR. But it took him 10 years. Took a lot of people. There was a bit of lobbying going on, I can tell you. Some sticking up for the vulnerable. And fourthly and lastly, when we affirm a person's strengths. I love this one from Mark's Gospel. We can make a monumental difference in someone's life when we affirm their strengths. And Jesus is selecting his his disciples. And these were the 12, it says from Mark chapter 3, verse 16. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, which means Sunday school question, you can yell it out. Yeah, the rock. Okay, so he named Peter, whose name was actually Simon. He calls himself Peter. He called him, you know, the rock. James, the son of Zebedee and his brother John. To them he gave the names uh, Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. That'd be cool. That'd be a very cool on the rock and the sun. I just need to tell you this, I tell you the truth in Jesus' name, that Dwayne Johnson was not the original rock. Okay, that Peter was the original rock, he's the original guy, he's, I am the original rock. He should have had a t-shirt printed down at Jerusalem Printworks and walked around it like that, I'm the original rock, Dwayne Johnson, and a big arrow right through, you know, like a big no-go sign right through him. And so what happens was, Jesus is giving these people incredible reputations to live up to. Why did he say that? When I was at school, I had a nickname and it wasn't any good compliment. They called me Meathead there wasn't there wasn't a name that built me up it wasn't a, a name that made me feel good and it, when we were sitting in exams and i remember sitting in year 10 of the exams everyone was in rows and everyone was silent and then like frogs starting up at various parts you would hear them just say the word meat meat meaty one meathead, meathead. and the whole room was reverberating with my nickname meathead it did build it did not build me up but jesus when he spoke into people's lives he chose to underscore their strengths friends when we're speaking to others never shy away from underscoring a person's strength i like teaching kristen to preach when she was just a young much younger person because she's got it she's gifted and called by god She's a minister in her own right. She's a powerful woman of God. She knows I believe that about her. That's not the first time she's heard me say those things. She knows that I believe in her. She knows that one of the reasons why I'm here, because I actually believe in her and Sam a great deal, and their ministry enormously. And so I am happy to come and serve. But I believe that about her. And as a young woman, I put her in the pulpit at Epping Church of Christ, which had a strong history of great, great preachers and pulpiteers. And I put Kristen up there because she had it and I saw it and I underscore it and I called it out. And hallelujah, look at the woman she is today. Praise God. Now all the church said something. All right. And so we need to do that. We need to be courageous. We need to do what I just did then. I'm not ashamed of doing that. Calling people out, telling them how great they are. We need to affirm people. Call the qualities you see out. This is not false flattery. We don't go up and butter somebody up in order to get something from them. We're not baiting them in order to receive something. We're going out to give. We're building. We're speaking words into people's lives so that they might be built up and encouraged to live up to the reputation that they should have that God has gifted them to be a certain way and a certain person. And we recognize that and we say, yes, I see that in you. How much of a great word of encouragement is it when somebody calls out something positive in our life? Yes, yes. When somebody sees a gift that you've got or a contribution you make or a characteristic or a personality trait and somebody calls it out. It's such a helpful thing. It's such a positive thing to do. And I think we need to be on the lookout constantly. Always be an encourager. Always make an incidental remark that can make a monumental difference in someone's life. So, when we say little things like that, it might seem to us to say, oh, nothing special. There's nothing special. Just dropped off a meal, heard you're in trouble, offered to pick the kids up, said a positive thing, responded when somebody reached out in love. We need to know this that every day, and even in every small way, what we do and what we say, it may seem incidental, but it can make a monumental difference in someone's life. I want us to be encouraged out today to go out and to be people who are turning incidents into monuments for others. And it will be in the way that we think, the way that we act, and the way that we talk. When people reach out to us, those who reach out to us, let's make a difference. Caring presence to someone in distress, let's be that person. Sticking up for the vulnerable, believing and speaking the best of others and underscoring their strength. Never forget that an incidental interaction can make a monumental difference. Heavenly Father, help us to embed that truth in our life because we've experienced it. Lord, we can all recollect many Many things that seemed like throwaway lines and thoughts that were in fact life-changing for us and fed us and encouraged us and built us up. Little acts that have been done for us, little kindnesses, little words, silent presence of a friend when we're distressed, not trying to solve our problems, just loving us in Jesus' name. Help us to be people like that. Help us to be difference makers in the lives of others. Amen.